ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As in the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations, and why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it, but hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life, and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. Let me know when we're ready to go. We're recording now. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of History of a Haunting. Hi, guys. Hey, I'm... I was going to introduce us, but you know who we are. Of course, you're Cornelius. (laughs) And I'm Betty. Cornelius. Yeah. I I don't know why I've got a thing with the name Cornelius. I've been calling Tater that. Tater Cornelius Todd. What have you done? It fits. It does. He is the little old man dog. He is his name. (laughs) Oh, he's a good puppy. Anyway, guys, welcome to this week's episode of History of a Haunting. We are doing, Archie, tell him, drum We're roll. going to... <laughs> that was disturbing. That was a drum roll. Can't no? you just, like, add that later? <laughs> Get, like, a real one? <laughs> Go! <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay, so, <clears throat> Eastern State Penitentiary. Yay! Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Have you ever been? No. Have you ever heard of it? Yes. You have? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That is the biggest lying fucking face ever. Yes. Yeah. Reminds reminds me of Chris Rock when he's talking about one of his bits. I can't remember if it was Never Scared or Bigger and Blacker. He's talking about Michael Jackson and the 60 Minutes interview that he does. And the guy's interviewing him and he's like... Michael, do you think it's appropriate to sleep with 13-year-old boys? And Chris Rock's face is Michael Jackson. He's like, yes. Like big <laughs> wide eyes and his stupid crazy grin. And that's what your face just ran. <coughs> oh, yeah. sorry, everyone. I'm still sick. Tell him why. This is week eight. Week eight. And he's on a second, second round of course of antibiotics. Stronger antibiotics. Stronger antibiotics. I told one of the smarter people at work, and she kind of made a face. Oh, like, wow! They're pulling out the big guns, huh? I'm like, uh, apparently. Thank you. I, that's not how my doctor put it, but thanks <laughs> for that. And I get a lovely nasal spray now, so it's been super fun. Yeah. So sinusitis is the official diagnosis. That's the official diagnosis. There was a period of time I thought I was strep because my throat hurt so bad, but that's just post-nasal drip. Oh, good. Because the second you said strep, I was like, fuck, I've got to find a new host for this weekend. <laughs> he cannot come over here. Burn your clothes. Burn your house. Burn Archie to the ground. Right. Oh, my God. I went over to his house the other day. Shit. <laughs> Anybody remember what it was wearing? I've got to get rid of it. <laughs> oh, he snorted. Damn it. Bingo square. Uh, yeah, so Sidebar Nation, wow, okay. Yeah, I'm, you're, you're, it's contagious. I'm catching it from you now. Yeah, right, you really are. Uh, yeah, so Eastern State Penitentiary. All uh, right, so where I combined my inter- information from an Atlas Obscura and Smithsonian, Smithsonian Magazine <laughs> articles. Words are really hard. Words are hard. They are. Concentration is harder. <laughs> Great. Guys, hold on, this podcast is going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> Oh, and it's only the first one we're doing today. Yeah, it's a double recording. So. All right. Maybe bring out the hard stuff. Whiskey, vodka. Yes. Perhaps wine's not really the way to go today. All right. Eastern State Penitentiary. In <coughs> 1787, Sorry. four years after the American Revolutionary War, the United States was a country brimming with possibility, and no city felt the excitement more than Philadelphia. Of course. Delegates such as Alexander Hamilton and James Madison were gathering at Independence Hall to draft what would later become the Constitution. That same year, a couple of blocks away from Independence Hall, at the home of Benjamin Franklin, another group of civic-minded leaders gathered to debate a wholly different matter, prison reform. 
Conditions at the Walnut Street Jail, located directly behind Independence Hall, were appalling. Men and women, adults and children, thieves and murderers. Were Dogs jailed. and cats, mass hysteria. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they were jailed together in disease-ridden, dirty pens where rape and robbery were common occurrences. I'm sorry, pens? Yes. Like pig pens. Well, that's just a word description. Okay. They're, they're cells. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, rape and robbery were common occurrences. Jailers made little effort to protect the prisoners from each other. Instead, they sold the prisoners alcohol, nearly <laughs> up to nearly 20 gallons of it a day. Jesus Christ. Food, heat, and clothing came at a price. It wasn't unusual for prisoners to die from the cold or starvation. Or uh, alcohol poisoning. Or alcohol poisoning. Well, that would be a preferred way to go out. Oh, I, oh, for sure. A group of concerned citizens calling themselves the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons decided that this must not continue. What was that acronym? <laughs> Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons. Thank According you, sir. to University of Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries... How do I shut that off? I don't know where it's coming from. ...to correct the issues of the city jail where prisoners were held together with little to no regard for age, gender, or nature of crime. You just should have let her go. I mean, she just repeated what I said, but... We should have let Siri go. She just repeated what I said in a different way, but... Oh, also, I just muted us. I wonder if we... Okay, so where do I need to start over? <laughs> I don't even fucking know. Uh... When you asked what that acronym was, and Siri replied... <laughs> <laughs> you fucking bitch, damn. Uh... Smart-ass motherfucker. I hate Siri. Um, oh. I thought she was going to start talking. I'm sorry, I didn't get that. <laughs> I'm sorry you feel that way, Ms. Chananler-Bong. Okay, uh, start with a whole thing again. <clears throat> no, not the whole paper, but from Philadelphia Society for the Betterment of Prisoners in Pig Pens. A group of concerned citizens calling themselves the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons decided that this must not continue. What they would propose set the stage for prison reform, not only in Pennsylvania, but also the world over. Dr. Benjamin Rush was a prominent Philadelphia physician with an interest in politics. In 1776, he served in the Second Continental Congress and signed the Declaration of Independence. More than a decade later, he would lead the push for ratification of the federal constitution. He was an outspoken abolitionist and would later earn the title father of American psychiatry for his groundbreaking observations about diseases of the mind. This is Dr. Benjamin Rush? Benjamin Rush. Hmm, that's interesting. As a newly minted doctor training in London in 1768, Rush ran into Benjamin Franklin, who was then serving as an agent to Parliament for the Pennsylvania Assembly. Frank in London? Yes. Interesting. Franklin, a celebrity among the Parisians, urged the curious 22-year-old to cross the English Channel and experience the Enlightenment thinking that filled French parlors. New age of 1770-whatever? 1768. Oh, okay. The following year, Rush did just that. He mingled among the scientists, philosophers, and literati, listening to progressive European theories about such issues as crime and punishment that would eventually follow him to America. In the theories would, or crime and punishment would follow into Well, technically both. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> in 1787, Rush was back in the company of Franklin and his American contemporaries, proclaiming that a radical change was needed, not just at the jail on Walnut Street, but the world over. He was convinced that crime was a moral disease and suggested a house of repentance where prisoners could meditate on their crimes, experience spiritual remorse, and undergo rehabilitation. Rehabilitation. Say that five times fast. No. Do it. No. Come on. This method would later be called the Pennsylvania system and the institution of a penitentiary. The Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons, also known as the Pennsylvania Prison Society, agreed and set out to convince the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania had a lot of societies and shit. They had a lot of people that gave a shit. Um, changes were made at the Walnut Street Jail. Inmates were segregated by sex and crime, vocational workshops were instituted to occupy the prisoner's time, and much of the abusive behavior was abolished, but it wasn't enough. Philadelphia's population was growing by leaps and bounds, and so was the criminal element. A prison of a grander scale was needed to fulfill the prison society's mission. 
For repentance to truly happen, the complete isolation of each prisoner would need to occur, and this was impossible to do in these overcrowded jails. Wow. So, penitentiary... Why can't I say that fucking Penitentiary word? is a play on the words of paying penance. Yes, being a penitent individual, mm-hmm. which means... Only the penitent shall pass. I'm sorry, Indiana Jones. Wow. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> that's just what I think of when that's I hear a penitent. Movie I have seen. <laughs> Yay! I think that's a bingo square. Anyway, oh, yeah. um, which means to have true regret. Mm-hmm. For those of you that are curious, a, pen- a penitentiary houses people convicted of. Is that a bus? It sounded like a wailing. Oh, God, is this going to be like Lep Castle where, like, the fucking ghosts know we're talking about them and the whole episode is fucked? For those of you that... <laughs> Go on. Ladies and gentlemen, professional podcasters at work. Yes. Hire us for your corporate speaking events. And for mitzvahs. Yeah. Quinceañeras, <laughs> Sweet Sixteen. For those of you that are curious, a penitentiary houses people convicted of federal felony crimes and sentenced to a year or more. A prison is part of the state or federal justice system and houses felons and violent offenders. A jail is shorter-term incarceration and run by the country. County. Run by the county. Okay, so a prison is where the more dangerous folks go and the... Federal criminal, people that commit federal crimes go to penitentiaries? A penitentiary houses people convicted of federal felony crimes and sentenced to a year or more. But what kind of federal felony crimes? I didn't get that. Okay, so read the one for a prison again? A prison is part of the state or federal justice system that houses felons and violent offenders. So you would think that the violent offenders would go to a penitentiary than a prison. Well, for most speakers, prison and penitentiary are synonymous. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. It's just um, penitentiary is probably more federal instead of violent. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Thanks for looking that up because I know that we were wondering what that was at the end of Crescent Hotel last week. So. Compared to other facilities, Eastern State was a technological marvel and, at a cost of $800,000, one of the most expensive building projects of its day. At a time when President Andrew Jackson Jackson, was still using a chamber pot, prisoners in Eastern State had their own private toilets. Inmates were served three hearty meals a day, usually boneless beef, pork, or soup, and unlimited potatoes. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, and had their own private exercise areas. This is where the fuck yes are about to come to a screeching halt. The cells each had skylights so that the divine wisdom of God might shine down upon those inside. Yeah. Eastern State was a paradise compared to other prisons of the time. But despite all its material comforts, this paradise drove men mad. Mm-hmm. Charles Williams, a farmer sentenced to two years for theft, would be inmate number one. On October 23rd, 1829, Williams was escorted into the new prison with an eyeless hood placed over his head. This was done to secure his anonymity and eventual integration into society upon release, as no one would recognize his face from the prison. But it also served another purpose. Well, wait, including guards? Because if he was inmate number one, then they didn't want the guards to know what they looked they like either? They didn't want the guards to know either. Really? That's fascinating. Okay. It, uh, the hood served another purpose, to ensure that there would be no chance at escape, as Williams would never see the prison behind his private cell. Communication with guards was done through a small feeding hole. Ew. Yeah, I don't like how that English read, and I should have changed it. Welcome to our podcast where we cut and paste. <laughs> we do. We don't care. We don't care. We least, don't care. At least we give credit now. We did. Well, yeah. <laughs> I wrote all of this. Bad grammar at all. Oh, no. Kidding. Go on. The inmates lived in complete isolation. God, I would love that. With a Bible, their only possession. No, I'm taking a drink, Archie. <laughs> <laughs> a Bible was their only possession, and chores like shoemaking and weaving were had to occupy their time. I can totally see you doing that. Right? I'm kidding. Known as the separate system. 
Part of what made Eastern State unique is that the prisoners weren't allowed to interact with other prisoners at all, in any way. They ate alone, they exercised alone, and they read that Bible alone. And the shoe maiden weaved right. alone. They wove were, alone? What? Wove alone. They wove alone. Wove alone. Okay. Wow. <laughs> they weren't allowed to talk to each other or to the guards. On the rare occasions they were taken out of their cells, those hoods were put back over their heads. Guards even wore felt shoe covers to keep the prison as quiet as possible. I read that. I feel like the silence would be fucking deafening. Utter silence, utter solitude. No, God. No. It's and and the the rest of that paragraph that I deleted because it repeats is it it drove them crazy. It would drive me crazy. It made things worse. Eventually, of course, due to overcrowding and disapproval of the separate system, Eastern State changed into a more standard prison, known then as the New York system, in which inmates shared cells and were permitted to communicate. What was meant to originally hold about 300 prisoners was, by the 1920s, forced to house some 2,000. More and more cells were constructed, including ones built below ground, without windows, light, or plumbing. Jesus. Eventually, solitude wasn't about redemption, but punishment. Mm -hmm. The prison remained in use for 142 years, from 1829 until 1971, and housed such criminal luminaries as Willie Sutton and Al Capone. Capone was allowed a comparatively lavish cell with furniture, oil paintings, and a radio. Yeah, that dude. I got more about him in my part. I, I knew you would. Yeah. Left abandoned for many years, it was narrowly saved from destruction, and in 1994, Eastern State reopened its massive doors to the public. Left in a state of magnificent decay, anyone who find themselves in Philadelphia would be well advised to pay a visit. By the 1960s, Eastern State Penitentiary was falling apart. In 1971, it was officially closed by the state of Pennsylvania. Over the course of its 142 years, the penitentiary held some 75,000 inmates, including the gangster Al Capone. Oh, good. Repeat yourself, Archie. Good job. Declared a National Historic Landmark in 1965, the prison... Well, wait, I have a question. Was uh, there any notable inmates that they housed there? But... Um, I think Al Capone. Oh, really? I think so. You probably should have mentioned that earlier. I should have. <laughs> I actually raised my fucking hand. <laughs> she did. Declared a National Historic Landmark in 1965, the prison was opened as a historic site in 1994. Today, tourists, and not criminals, walk beneath the vaulted ceilings and skylights of the neo-Gothic building that once represented the moral ambitions of America's founding fathers. Goodness! The self-guided audio tour features interviews with former inmates and guards and is narrated by actor and director Steve Buscemi. The penitentiary offers several special tours, including prison uprisings, winter adventure tours, a Bastille Day celebration, and a haunted Halloween tour. Of course. Of course. That would be amazing. That would really be amazing to go to. I was actually talking to Jennifer yesterday, and we, this last year we went, me and her and Mike went to Nashville. So we always want to like, we've decided that, you know, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we went to a city that we've never been to before? And she had been there on a, on a work trip. So she's like, we should go there. And we had the best time. We went to the Grand Old Opry. I mean, it was really fun to go to a city that none of us had ever been to before. Mm -hmm. So in my research of this, I was like, of course, hey, we should go to Philadelphia. And she's like, why out of the fucking ether did you pull Philly out? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm researching Eastern State. She's like, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't mean it's not a good idea. <laughs> that doesn't mean we shouldn't go. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be my big sales pitch to try to get them to want to wow. go to... It's only a four and a half hour drive from Pittsburgh. And uh, then I could just fly straight into into Philly. Because I'm not going to fly four hours and then drive four hours to fucking Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's another sidebar topic. Yeah. So, um, right. well, that's, uh, that's my, that's my part. It was excellent. Good job. Thank you. That was wonderful. All right, guys, sit tight. We will be right back with my part. Uh, please, please listen to this wonderful ad from our very dear sponsor, Love Heals Rescue. Love Heals Rescue is a nonprofit organization that believes every dog in need deserves a second chance at a new life. 
Love Heals wants to partner with the community to help as many dogs as possible find loving homes, while also helping dogs in need in the area, such as providing a last litter program where the mother dog is fixed and returned or adopted, and all of the puppies are fixed, examined by a vet, microchipped, and adopted out to help with the overpopulation of dogs in the area. Love Heals Rescue cannot continue to help the community without a dedicated foster network. Please consider becoming a foster. You can find them on Facebook by searching Love Heals Rescue. Help, Help us, us be, be a part, part of the solution. solution. Okay, welcome back, guys. Thanks so much. Um, my portion. Let's talk about the ghosts. All right. Ready? Okay, so um, I got a lot of my information from Legends of America, because, of course. Because we're learning it's a really good resource. It's a really, really good resource. Uh, Metro.us, the New York Times... BuzzFeed, the BuzzFeed Unsolved YouTube videos. Oh, yeah. These guys, I love these guys. But also BuzzFeed.com, and then again, various YouTube videos, including BuzzFeed Unsolved. Um, now, it does have a very unique design. It's designed in the shape of a wagon wheel with the seven original cell blocks laid out like long hallways that could actually be seen from the central rotunda where the guards' desks was, were, is. Was <laughs> grammar is hard, <laughs> and I'm a writer. Jesus, <coughs> God help me. Okay, anyway, the guards area, they could see all seven cell blocks mm-hmm. in the in the beginning. That's a smart design. It is a very smart design. So now I do want to talk a little bit. Um, so our friend Becky, uh, who hails from the Lizzie Borden episode, she's Lizzie's cousin, Seven Leia. Are you you good, honey? She's got an itch. Of course. Okay, cut, wrap it up. <laughs> Should I move the mic over? <laughs> <laughs> Leah, what would you like to contribute? Thump, 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 thump. You're flat. <laughs> She's down. Is she good? She fluffed the couch. I heard she her. She fluffed the couch. Okay, good. So Becky, who was Lizzie Borden's eighth or sixth or cousin removed nine thousand times, um, she and her family went on this amazing vacation last summer and they went to Eastern state. Oh. Yeah. So I, I messaged her and I said, Hey, you know, we're getting ready to record Eastern state. What, you know, if you don't mind telling me what your vibe was, what you thought, you know, what was it like? Cause I'd like to share the episodes. So this is, these are her actual words. This is what she tells me. Um, okay. So let me tell you, the place was creepy. She had some amazing insight, so I wanted to start my portion with it. She said, from the outside, the prison almost looks like a castle built in the middle of the city. But one of the things, one of the things you realize once you come in to the prison is that the outward-facing side is partially fake. Really? Uh-huh. She said, so there's all these windows that seem to look out into the public street, but they're fake. Because when you go on the inside of the prison, those windows don't exist. Oh, there's yeah. solid wall behind them. So it makes it look like there's plenty of windows, but to the prisoners and everybody, there's no fucking windows, which I thought was really, really interesting. She said the masonry itself for the outer building is all this dark black rock, which just kind of sets the tone for darkness. She said, once you get inside, there's definitely a feeling of emptiness and abandonment. Some sections of the prison, especially the older wings, are very much decayed. When you're actually looking into the original solitary rooms, and you realize the cells didn't actually have doors on them, they just had a feeding hole. And the only source of light that the prisoners had was basically a sunlight at the top of the ceiling. She said, it's very chilling, Mm. just like you were describing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A feeding hole. Yeah. Mm. I'm glad I'm not the first one to use that. Mm. Not at all. (laughs) Does she? Yeah, feeding hole. Okay, there she did say it. Okay. So looking into the cells themselves, she continues, is just, it just gives you the heebie-jeebies. They were small and closed off and just so isolating. Because I guess in my head when I'm picturing it, I guess it does, I, I picture... A small room, mm-hmm. but kind of, you know, one to just to have a bit of space to move around in. But from her description, there wasn't any. She goes on to say, they were small and closed off and just so isolating. The feeling is made worse by the knowledge that it wasn't just murderers and terrible people that were in these solitary cells. I mean, you could have committed a misdemeanor 
and you were in the solitary cell with no other human interaction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. When they decided to shut the prison down, they obviously just left everything where it was. This was the part that kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies. So she said when they decided to shut the prison down, Chewie, are you good? Okay. Because a lot of the cells, they left everything where it was. Because a lot of the cells still had the beds and tables that were originally in the cells there. And since the place had been abandoned for so long, homeless people and transients and all that stuff had been in there using those cells as places to live. And there's debris and broken furniture everywhere. Oh, wow. Right? So she goes on to say, now I am absolutely an empath. So I tend to pick up on feelings and emotions that are around me and I absorb them like a human sponge. And let me tell you, that entire prison just filled me with a sense of hopelessness and despair. So it looks awful mm. on the inside. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, that's, the, that's the, the, one of the other questions that I asked her was, could you get a sense of like what it must have been like to be incarcerated there? And she could. She goes on to say, (laughs) as a matter of fact, uh, and when you hear the stories of some of the injustices, the people who were put in this type of prison, who were there for petty crimes, especially children, it just makes it all the more ominous and sickening. She also mentioned that the medical wing gives a mixture of feelings because, of course, originally the prison didn't have a medical wing, which leaves you wondering what the hell they did with the prisoners who were sick or injured. Hmm. She says, I would imagine that most of them were just left to suffer because otherwise they would have had to have been taken to the city hospital. Mm-hmm. But the medical wing was converted from an old cell block. And for that reason, it doesn't give the impression of say a competent medical facility. Oh, ouch. Right. So, um, she, <laughs> She um, did send me, and you had mentioned it in your portion, that now their audio tour is narrated by Steve Buscemi. Mm -hmm. She actually sent me their audio tour script. Yes. And it's a fascinating, it's really a really cool read. Um, So we are going to put the link to that up on our website. So if anybody wants to read it, it's very long, but it is the actual script and everything that they tell you as you're going through the prison on your tour, on your audio tour. So we'll put that up on our website, but I wanted to kind of start my portion with uh, the, the story and, and, and Becky really does a great job of kind of setting the scene as to what it's like to walk through that prison today. Um, but let's get into the ghosts. So it's 142 year history is full of suicides, madness, disease, murder, and torture making it easy to imagine the spirits of troubled souls left behind to roam its abandoned halls, obviously. So now while the prison was operating, two guards and several inmates were murdered within the walls. Other prisoners committed suicide and hundreds of others died from disease, obviously with a makeshift medical wing and old age, as I love to do because my part is always full of sunshine and happiness. (laughs) Let's talk about the punishments the prisoners received. Okay. So there was the water bath. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? Mm. Ah, the look on your face says no. you're very wary. You should be. This is a, uh, a punishment in which inmates were dunked and, uh, in water. Um, huh. Wow. In alcohol. Kidding. Uh, were dunked and then hung out. To dry. On a wall. Oh, nice. In winter. Oh, even better. Mm-hmm. Until ice formed on their skin. So, it d- days, hours, days, did however long they just were out. Oh, my God. By the time I'm done with this list, it's going to have you and me going, who the fuck dreamt up all of this? Because it, it just gets worse. The next one was... Called the Mad Chair. Did you come across this in your research? No. (laughs) Okay. This was apparently a chair which bound an inmate so tightly, his arms and legs, that circulation was cut off. They were left in there for hours, days, sometimes weeks, until their circulation was cut off, later necessitating amputations. (sighs) Mm -hmm. And, And they have one in the prison today that you could see and sit in and 
sit in. Well, I don't think they have the clamp, like the straps. But yeah, you could sit in it if you want to do and just be like, what was this? What must this have been like? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. Let's move on to something worse. <laughs> I told you, suns- sunshine and happiness. The iron gag, in which an inmate's hands were tied behind the back and strapped to an iron collar in the mouth. So it was almost like a bridle, like a horse wears, but there was a a tiny collar in the bridle part that goes in your mouth that wrapped around the tongue with a razor blade underneath. God, I know know people who would pay for that. You can find them on Grindr. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just listened to a true crime podcast of this poor, poor fellow that found somebody on Grindr and was murdered horrifically. Oh. The Kevin Bacon guy. Did you I, hear about that? No, but pardon. I, I just need to delete an app off my phone real quick. Oh, oh please pause. We will be right back after these messages. <laughs> So, yes, this iron gag. It, um, the inmates' hands were tied behind their back, and the, the hand, their hands were then strapped to an iron collar in their mouth, which, again, was like a bridle. So it was all, it went around their head with a chain down the back with their hands hooked to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this tiny, smaller collar fashioned around their tongue with a razor blade underneath it. So that any movement caused the tongue to be cut tear and bleed profusely. Yeah. A number of prisoners apparently died bleeding out from this particular punishment. Ooh. I felt like I said that like Dr. Evil. <laughs> well, I hear it now. <laughs> <laughs> One million dollar. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> punishment. A punishment. <laughs> they can't hear the air quotes. <laughs> There. <laughs> there's your air quotes. <coughs> oh, and there's the coughing. Wow. The, the day you get better, people are going to be like, why is Archie so quiet? We're so used to his cacophony. and coughing. <laughs> Coughs. And the chest rattles. Mm, even Chewy got up and moved over. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So that I'm going to do that from now on when I have an air quote. (laughs) (laughs) And here we have another one coming up. The hole. Let's talk about the hole. (laughs) You ready? Oh God, I'm crying. Yes, please. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Please don't do it again. <laughs> like Joey. I'm sorry. <coughs> okay. Sorry. Jesus Christ. God. She's trying to kill me, everyone. They know. It's been weeks, sweetheart. <laughs> trying to get you weeks. to just. Years. <laughs> I'm telling you what. Okay. Uh, so we talked about the mad chair. We talked about the arrow. The hole. Let's get. Let's. Let's go into the hole. Let's go into the hole. Let's dive right into the hole. This was a dank underground cell where unfortunate souls had no light, no human contact, no exercise, no toilet, little food, and air. Let's expand upon that. Oh, Christ. Are you ready, listener? Let's do that. So apparently it was located under cell block 14. It was rats and roach infested. Um, It was just one of these like unused spaces, I guess, in the prison. And they were like, what is the most horrific place here that's just gross and nasty that we can throw these assholes in? Oh, here. Let's do this. Here we go. Um, So where sometimes inmates would be thrown down in there for like a 30-day stint. And by the time they were, the guards would come back to like bring them back up into the general population. They'd be dead and had been dead for Mm. weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. Just the conditions were really fucking horrible. It's horrific. It's really horrific. Um, so now the prison is considered prison penitentiary, penitentiary, however you want to say it. It is considered by several sources to be one of the most haunted places in America. Yes, everything we look at. It, you know what? We don't do half-assed here at History of a Haunting. We go full ass we on go our hauntings. Full ass. 
always use our full ass uh, on our hauntings. <laughs> um, it has been featured on the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures and Most Haunted Live, Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters, which, of course, I've seen, and they did catch some amazing footage. Um, <laughs> it was actually a really popular scene where one of their investigators, Brian, saw something, and he was like, dude, run! And he, like, ran from it and got in a fucking world of trouble by Jason and Grant because... As a paranormal investigator, you don't run from it. You run to. You run toward it. And he was like, dude, run. It's okay. I didn't really care for Brian. Okay. <laughs> as well as uh, MTV's Fear, which I've never seen that show. Have you seen Fear? I remember it being a thing, but I don't think I watched it. Was it one of those? Or maybe I'm thinking of Fear Factor, where like they put you in a box and dump cockroaches on you or That's something. That's Fear Factor. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I don't know MTV Sphere. Once they quit playing videos, I quit caring. Right. <laughs> Who cares? Um, so now dozens of paranormal researchers visit every year, as we're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they do report that it is a hub of otherworldly activity, uh, perhaps most convincingly, which I think this is super cool. There are stories of eerie experiences by visitors, staff guards, and former inmates that have all corroborated each other since the 1930s. Wow. Uh-huh. So let's talk about my very first uh, paranormal encounter at Eastern State. And I'm making it first because it's my favorite. And I'm a little disappointed, Archie, that you didn't talk about this person in your portion. Because he's actually one of the most notable inmates Ghostly activity plagued Chicago gangster Al Capone. Oh, God, no, I didn't bring him up at all today. <laughs> you forgot to mention him four times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so as Archie failed to let the audience know, <laughs> <laughs> he was housed in the prison for eight months um, from 1929 to 1930. He did have the nicest cell in the prison, which included a desk, a lamp, paintings, and a radio. He was actually haunted by the ghost of James Clark, James or Jimmy Clark. Hmm. This particular individual was one of the victims of the St. Valentine's Day massacre in Chicago. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Okay. So for our listeners, it was basically one of those, my gang is better than your gang. And Al Capone was rumored to have been the facilitator of the St. Valentine's Day massacre in which his gang massacred. Killed <laughs> the Northside gang that was a rival gang, um, and he was always believed to be the facilitator, the Philadelphia oh um, <laughs> of that. Now, this Jimmy Clark was the rival in the rival gang, and allegedly Capone screamed every night in fright, screaming at Jimmy to go away and leave him alone. Despite the fact that the guards consistently checked in and around Al Capone's cell, they were never able to identify anybody or anything hmm. that might make this what gen- is generally believed to be a badass, nothing fucking scares me gangster mm-hmm. freak out and shriek like a girl. Okay, maybe he was shrieking like a Marine, but I think he shrieked like a girl <laughs> every night. Um, <laughs> no matter what, despite the claims that, that Al Capone presented, they couldn't find shit. However, Al Capone seemed to hold a high level of intelligence and he was apparently shook up by the signs of paranormal activity that plagued him his entire eight month stint. Hmm. I found it interesting and I do want to note it that, um, he was arrested and sent to Eastern state for a concealed weapons charge. And sentenced to eight months. Wow. But there's a general, a a popular belief that he was actually sent to Eastern State for his protection because of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Hmm. So it was one of those, like, because it was widely believed that the Chicago police were on the take involved in that entire massacre as well. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not that far of a, a leap to think that the police were like, oh, you need to lay low because this shit just hit the fan. You, we're going to bust you and you go here. Right. 
and and while you're there, we're gonna give you a, a cell with lamps and a radio and 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 mm-hmm. a nice bed and beautiful rugs and mm-hmm. while everybody else is being eaten alive by cockroaches. God, gross! I just made myself throw up a little. Oh. <clears throat> cockroaches. Anyway, so. It wasn't all sunshine and roses for Al Capone because one of the men that he killed during the St. Valentine's Day Massacre apparently plagued him every fucking night. Hmm. Justice hurts. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit about Cell Block 12. Now, Matt is known for echoing voices and cackling. It's believed to be there's a banshee-type entity in Cell Block 12. Really? Hence the cackling. So, um... There is uh, one of the the main tour managers, Amy, she said that according to many ghost investigators, cell block 12 is one of the hottest paranormal spots on the site. She said that because you had mentioned they do a haunted um, like a a haunted house type of thing at Eastern State where Mm -hmm. people can go through. So she is the manager of that as well. And she said that an actor said to her one year. Uh, Amy, I can't work on the top floor of cell block, cell block 12 anymore. Can you move me? Hmm. Yeah, and she's like, okay, why? Apparently, he's like, mm, there's a ghost up there. And when I was at the edge of the cell block, it looked like this woman was running toward me screaming. And once she got close to me, she turned around and ran back. Hmm. And... The tour manager thought that it, the account was weird, but she switched his spot anyway because he was like, I'm not going to stay there. <laughs> Good on you, man. Uh, so three years later, a completely different actor, because I can't imagine that, you know, I, I imagine that that's probably sort of a trend. Probably a high turnover. High job. turnover. <laughs> so a totally different actor came to her with a similar story about the second floor of cell, bo- cell block 12 being haunted. And this person said, you're never going to believe me, but I think it was a banshee. It was flying down the cell block toward me screaming. And when it got to me, it turned back and went back down the cell block. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she was like, okay, well, maybe there's something to this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, There are also instances where people have seen a shadow come out of a cell on cell block 12 on the second floor and simply stand there. Hmm. Uh Uh-huh. So these shadow figures are the fuck with your head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine. For sure. So cell block six also has shadowy figures darting along the walls. (laughs) Along the sounds of whispers, screams, and laughter have been heard. Cell block four... uh, (laughs) They have visions of ghostly faces. And this story that I'm about to tell you guys is actually one of the most popular, one of the most legendary tales of Eastern State Penitentiary. It comes from Gary Johnson, who was um, a maintenance worker at the, at the prison. Um, he had gone there in the early 1990s. And he was... Um, replacing one of the crumbling old locks on a cell door. Apparently this lock was about a hundred years old on this one particular cell and it was starting to disintegrate and rust and and kind of, you know, so he was there to replace this lock. He had just opened it in cell block four when he says a force gripped him so tightly that he was unable to move. Um, he described a negative, horrible energy that exploded out of the cell. He said tormented faces appeared on the cell walls and that one form in particular beckoned to him and said, come to me. He said that he kind of had an out of body experience in that he was watching it, watching it, all of this happen from behind himself. But also, like, outside of himself. So, like, his astral projection, maybe. But neither one of them could move. Wow. He said that it looked like the walls were melting simply because of all the shadow figures that were on the wall moving. It looked like the walls themselves were moving. That's insane. Apparently, it's one of those situations where he's told chunks of the story to enough people that people kind of were able to piece together his experience and it's generally believed that he might have opened a portal in that cell oh. 
that a lot of spirits came out of, and he just happened to be there when they came pouring out. Wow. Uh, apparently, it was a cacophony of screaming and laughing and crying and cackling and just like a, just a loud rush of noise and emotion and all the sounds you make feeling those various emotions when he opened that goddamn cell. That's going to be overwhelming. Exactly, right? So, um, let's see. Yeah, so that's one of the most popular, the most uh, repeated stories that has come out of Eastern State with regard to paranormal activity. Many people have reported seeing a silhouette of a guard in one of the towers. That's another popular one. Along with footsteps and wails and whispers and, and, and a bunch of um, a bunch of other things that is common to experience when you're at Eastern state penitentiary. So that Amy that I was telling you about, which was the tour guide tour manager, Mm -hmm. um, she had a lot of really, really cool stuff. Uh, She said that on mischief night during the first year that she worked there. And I, I'm guessing mischief night is a, maybe another one of those, Halloween tour, tour type of things. Didn't you say like it was Bastille Day? They did something and I've got uh, prison uprisings, winter adventure tours, Bastille Day, and haunted Halloween. Okay, so maybe Mischief Night. I feel (sighs) like as I say it, I feel like that'll probably that's a a a a thing in the area like a pre-Halloween. Maybe. Oh, I. Like a devil's night kind of Yeah, like I'm getting some sort of latent memory of Pittsburgh. Something, they do something similar. Okay. Leia concurs it is a back east thing. Okay. So anyway, on mischief night, which was this woman's first year working with Eastern State, she was cleaning paintbrushes with a colleague because they were, you know, getting ready to decorate. Okay. Signs, you know, paint signs and things like that. And they knew that they were the last two people on the premises, which I don't know if I could do that. I don't know. You talk a big game. I talk a big game, but (laughs) I would try it. I would fucking try. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, she says that all of a sudden in the back area of the room they were in, we started to hear these sounds like a person was stamping something, then moving a paper over repeatedly. So maybe administrative work. They can't Mm. hear those sounds. Make those sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Patoosis. <laughs> what is that? That's a stamp and a moving stamp. the paper over. Oh, see, I was thinking, kachoo, shh, not patoots. We could split hairs about sounds all day. That's why we're both not sound editors. <laughs> that's why. That's exactly why our fucking podcast sounds the way it does. <laughs> oh, good grief. Okay. Anyway, like a person was stamping something, kachoo, and moving a paper. Shh. Fine, okay. Fine, patoots. (laughs) Then they hear the sound of a cup moving. We won't do it. It's fine. (laughs) She said that these were independent sounds that lasted for 15 seconds. She said, it doesn't seem like that long of time, but imagine if something is terrifying you. That's pretty fucking long. Okay, I added the fucking. (laughs) No. Yeah. One of one of your sources has that kind of language in it. All of my sources should, if you <laughs> want to know the truth. Um, she says, I literally learned what the word petrified meant. I was frozen stiff. And apparently her and her colleague linked arms and left the building in silence, too stunned for words. She also says that um, she revealed a particular... A, not particular, a peculiar happening last year when a visitor mailed back a bolt they had taken from the site along with a letter. In it, she says, they say they regretted taking it because they've had the worst luck ever since. Oh, another one of those. Right? Kind of, what was the Robert the Doll or, uh, oh, no, 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 it was the Ouija board from Lizzie Borden House. They took the Ouija board and they were like, please make it stop. Mm. <laughs> So she says the mysterious sender returned the bolt in a bag of sage, asking the staff to put the bolt back exactly where they found it. For them to think that their lives took a turn for the worse since taking this object says something, yeah, she admits. For sure. For sure. So now, um, technical director James Travis also had his own moment with a spirit. 
He says that it was close to midnight on a rainy and windy Friday. Of course, it was a dark and stormy night. Oh, God. I know, I love it. During the fall of 2012, he said that there was an event that evening and all of the other guests and staff had left the property. Travis noticed a large steel panel that had been delivered for him in the building's gatehouse, and he wanted to move it out of the way and decided to take it to cell block 12. In case you need reminding, <laughs> this is probably the hottest spot for paranormal activity at Eastern State. So he says, I was, I had planned to put it just inside of the gate there. The dolly kept sliding out of the way, so I had to use both hands to get the gate unlocked. All of a sudden, he felt the presence of somebody behind him. Why so block 12? Wow. God. He said, I know that, or I so knew. many jokes. I know. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Get off the grinder app. <laughs> he says, I knew that everybody else had left the property. So his, my first suspicion was that some miscreant, which I don't think that word is said enough. We should use it more. Miscreant. I love will, it. I will try. Thank you. He says that some miscreant had secluded themselves away and were up to no good. Or at least that's what he thought. So when he turned around, he sees a short man, uh, only about five foot four, this person was standing a few feet away from him. He says, I instantly drew back my fist ready to strike. Ooh. My heart was pumping. Then he realized, I, then I realized he was translucent and dressed in Civil War era military clothes. And then he disappeared. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, he later found out that Eastern State Penitentiary was operational during the Civil War. Yes, it was. Wow. Yeah. Um, so here is... Another couple of uh, just other encounters that people have had have felt there. Another tour guide states that she's felt odd at times. She says, quote, my head throbbed and I felt cold. Or just laugh, Archie, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> my head throbbed and I felt cold and queasy while standing in three locations. So I put up two fingers. <laughs> I am oh, so bad at fucking basic math. <laughs> Jesus. H. Oh, okay. I still have to record another episode. <laughs> Here we go. So she felt cold and queasy while standing in three locations. Yeah. The warden's office, the very back of the very back section of Klondike, which was the punishment cells, and near a pipe closet on the second floor of Death Row. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh, other things that you can expect and other people have encountered throughout the prison uh, visitors and staff report disembodied screams cries of pain sadistic laughter and whispers others have reported the sounds um, of cell door handles jiggling furniture being dragged across floors large objects rolling on the roof and ghostly footsteps what the fuck is rolling on the roof that people are hearing, like, what could that possibly be? Sounding, sounding like stones? Uh, it just says large objects. So they're hearing this constant, like, these noises coming from the roof. Um, others, many have seen orbs, streaks of lights appearing, felt unseen people tapping them on the shoulder, get overwhelming sensations of being watched, and in general have feelings of dread. So let's... Think back to what Becky, how Becky described this place today. Mm -hmm. These are things that are That's currently exactly going on. Said. Yes. Yeah. Um, on the third floor of one cell block, numerous visitors say they've heard the sound of cell doors suddenly opening and then slamming shut, which is another common occurrence. And I think uh, Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, um, there was a couple of shows on YouTube that I was that I watched that had done investigations of Eastern State that heard and caught the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um the catwalk apparently is an area where many paranormal events also occur here. A shadow figure was caught on a video. Uh, people have felt extreme temperature fluctuations and one visitor captured a male voice saying I'm lonely on an EVP. Aww. Isn't that awful? That's pretty sad. You have to know that that's, that that's how they felt. Um, so again, the ghost hunters evidence, they did catch incredible footage from cell block 12 showing a moving shadowy shape that corresponds to stories of a ghost prisoner in the corridor. 
Steve, initially remarks that it um, looks like something at, that at first crawling toward the camera, and it does. Oh. Uh, yeah. Like, remember in the Lori Mansion when that woman was like, her arms and legs were broken so that when she walked, she resembled a crab? Oh, God. Yeah. This is what this kind of sort of looks like, which just makes me want to vomit right now. But I won't. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for your kind service. You're welcome. <laughs> Especially since we're on my couch. Um, <laughs> so, um, it, it, it looks like it's at first crawling, no, crawling toward the camera before standing up. It's wild to oh, see it. God. It is. It's pretty wild. If I can find it on YouTube, I'll share the snippet like we did with um, the Crescent Hotel when they okay. caught that apparition. Uh, so here are some of the EVPs that have been caught by a bunch of groups. Um, they, they've caught a plethora of EVPs while investigating Eastern State, but these are the ones that I thought were the creepiest and like... The standouts. The standouts that would, if I were to hear it on an EVP, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to throw up and this is terrifying, but I need more. I need to hear more. <laughs> Stop, stop it, turn it off. Hmm. That was um, caught in a spirit box session. Uh, go to hell. Mm. Uh, in the morgue was another EVP. Thank God. Uh, a female saying "I love you too," which I think is really hmm. sad. Uh, hello, it's not fair. A number of EVPs that caught growling. Hmm. Uh, run, run. Damn it! Yes, and yoo-hoo, which I think that would have been funny. <laughs> Whispers, and then last but not least, the tried and true get out. Yeah. Nice. Um, At least they're keeping with the classics. They're keeping with the classics. I like it. I like it. Uh, Other occurrences are screams of someone crying in unbearable pain as if they're being beaten or tortured, which if we remember to the punishments I talked about in the beginning. Happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sounds of boots walking along the the cell um, blocks, the floors, the catacombs. Catwalks, I guess. Not wearing the slippers. Not wearing the slippers. Fired. Uh, several instances where you hear someone call or whisper your name. This is actually a fairly common experience, even for tourists. Oh, see, that's that, no, that would bother me. Thank you. Yeah, no. Scary laughter is often heard. It can't be traced. It typically cell block twelve, where they believe a banshee it exists. Mm-hmm. Inmates crying coming from empty cells. Sounds of furniture being dragged along the floors. Again, um, people have fallen ill inside the building. Nausea, fatigue, dizziness, all which immediately go away when they leave the premises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to say in conclusion before I get to my fun facts that there's a tour guide that worked there or might still work there. His name is Ben Bookman. And he says, quote, it's a lot harder to find a believer than it is to find a skeptic here. We at Eastern State do not claim that the prison is haunted. We run a haunted attraction. Mm. He says that the staff does not like to exploit the prison's darker image, mm-hmm. which can't blame them. <laughs> it's yeah. a really fucking dark image. Yeah. Um, he says, quote, most people making TV shows come in looking for ghosts. That's not the story we tell. Inmates were real people. These were people's lives. 70,000 people spent time here. We're not going to glorify it, and we're not going to make fun of it. Amen. Yeah. So here are my fun facts, and they are my last fun fact is the best fun fact of all fun facts in the show. (laughs) Not just this episode, but the whole show. I love love them. So 42%... Of American adults believe in ghosts. And I think that we did talk about that briefly in the very beginning of the podcast, one of the first few episodes. Um, I did find an article about a woman who is a um, parapsychologist. And she said, basically, that while our senses are keen, there are things happening around us that we're not completely aware of. And I think you and I can both agree that that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, infrasound. Sound waves of 20 hertz or less, mostly inaudible to the human ear. However, our bodies can pick up these tiny vibrations through our skin and even our eyes. They register that something is not quite right, 
And they've been shown to produce feelings of uneasiness and revulsion and nausea and fear and chills. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the same process that alerts animals of a coming natural disaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, a large empty building with a lot of structural deficits, like, say, an abandoned prison, <laughs> is a prime spot for infrasound. So it's not... That surprising that a lot of people go there and they're like, this just feels like a giant fucking wagon wheel of ick. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is a trap. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. Um, so now Hollywood has used Eastern State Penitentiary countless times as a setting for TV shows, music videos, documentaries, and films, including 12 Monkeys as an oh. insane asylum. Yeah. Uh, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, Fear, and Return to Paradise. Yeah, okay. I thought that was really cool. I love 12 Monkeys because Brad Pitt, duh. But I, I had no idea that Eastern State was the asylum that they right, used. Right, right, right. Um, now, like you said, in your portion, Eastern State actually had running water and heating before the White House did. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fascinating. That was, that was incredible. I thought that was super incredible. Um, again, famous inmates, uh, you failed to talk about him. For the 19th time, Al Capone. Oh, shit. I should have. You really should have. Uh, He did spend eight months there, though, like I said earlier, it is believed that it was an arrangement to keep him safe and hidden after the St. Valentine's Mm. Day massacre in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, There was also Morris Bulber, who was also known as Louis the Rabbi. Uh, He and two cousins led a murder ring. And I've actually listened to a a true crime podcast about this guy. He and two cousins led a murder ring from 1932 to 1937, where they would get women to take out high life insurance policies on their husbands. And then they'd kill the husbands. Yes. Um, And then the group would split the insurance money. He actually, this is where my fun fact comes in, because I thought this was amusing. He wasn't a real rabbi. And he told everybody that he knew that he had magical powers. Cool. Me too. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Then there was William Francis Sutton. And I do believe you mentioned him in your portion. But he was also known as Slick Willie. (laughs) Stop. Stop. (laughs) That Otherwise, this episode will go on another 20 minutes while we laugh. Uh, He was one of the most notorious bank robbers in history, having committed over 50 of them. He spent 11 years at Eastern State and attempted to escape once and was caught within three minutes. Yeah. Real slick. (laughs) It's what I wrote in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) And the last infamous notable inmate, this is my very, very, very best fun fact, was Pep the Dog. P-E-P. He was a black lab that was sentenced to Eastern State by then-Governor Gifford Pinchot for killing his wife's cat. Are you kidding me? Pep the dog was uh, booked. He was booked. He was assigned an inmate number, and he had his mugshot taken. It is said the dog was actually Governor Pinchot's dog and was sent to Eastern State to boost prisoner morale. He stayed there until 1929 when he was moved to a different prison, accompanying the guards on their rounds and was said to have been a very good boy. (laughs) Aww, Aww. I thought that was super cute. That is cute. So that's what I have on Eastern State. I think this is an amazing place. Your history, Archie, was phenomenal. It was really phenomenal. Granted, you didn't, you know, give it that. You didn't write its history. I had really good sources. You had really good sources and um, it is, it's a fascinating history. So I I really want to applaud you. I think that um, you touched on everything that 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 made this this prison um what it was so i think that's wonderful great job um so getting there which we're gonna do we're gonna do everything one day before we die god willing uh you can... and every place after we die if and, we want to oh uh, fuck that's when this is our ghostly bucket list <laughs> fuck yeah um, <laughs> if you want to check out everything about Eastern State, you can visit their official website at easternstate.org. They are open every day from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. They are located at 2027 Fairmount Avenue in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Facil- <laughs> Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19130. You can also call them at area code 215 3300 their general admission tickets are between 10 and 14 dollars kids 
um, under seven are free. You can also get guided tours as well, along with all of the different tours that you had mentioned, Bastille Day and, and the haunted mm-hmm. Halloween attraction and, um, and everything like that. So this was a good one. This was a good one. Archie and I, you and I had a lot of fun and it was a lot of fun. So our our live studio audience has been here with us for the last um, half of the episode, but she's been quiet because she's she's not wanting to participate in this particular episode or just here because she doesn't want to be stuck in her bedroom. Um, so she's she's try- being very quiet, and I thought she was getting ready to say something. Uh, she is going to join us for next week's episode where we take you to Jerome, Arizona. Jerome, Arizona. Yes. And it is... Actually, our very first Arizona location. Uh, I did a live Facebook episode or a live Facebook um, event just the other day and talked about what shitty Arizonans we were because we have yet to do an Arizona location. Not that we haven't planned them. They just haven't worked out because our sound editor is a fucking idiot and uh, (laughs) she ruined the episode. Uh, That would be It was a learning experience. That was, air quote, me. <laughs> it was a learning experience and you are better for it. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> but bless you, Archie, for we're, being... We're both fucking idiots. We're both fucking idiots. Anyway, thank you so much, guys. We hope you enjoyed um, Eastern State. If you have also been there, uh, message us. Let us know. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can also email us at H-O-H-A... What, what is it? H-O-H podcast. Jesus at gmail.com thank you and as well on our website at hoahpodcast.com i think that is it oh that was good that was fun that was a good one that was a really good one uh yeah so thanks guys we will see you really really soon we are off to record next week's episode and our live studio audience will be here She's currently covering her face with excitement (laughs) because she just loves this shit. Okay. (laughs) Remember, words are hard. Sometimes people suck. So be safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. Is listening. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye.